the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with me, Renee Paquette. We have, uh, quite possibly, quite literally, our very biggest guest to date. Yes, we have on the one, the only, Paul White. Uh, I got to sit down with him. Of course, you know, you may be familiar with uh, the name The Big Show. He's been around the wrestling community and in the wrestling world for forever, wrestling with WWE for 20 plus years, and just recently made the jump over to All Elite Wrestling. This rocked the wrestling world. This rocked my world. To know the Big Show, somebody who I just figured was going to wind down his career with WWE, but to know that this man has so much more left in his tank, so much more that he wants to offer back to the wrestling community. He signed to AEW, and uh, he's going to be an in-ring performer on occasion, but on top of that, providing his voice, his brains, his insight uh, on the commentary side. So he's going to be uh, on AEW Dark Elevation. That is on AEW's YouTube channel. That begins Monday, March 15th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So Mondays, you guys can catch this man, hear his voice, see this guy on TV. Uh, but this was just such a great chat with an old friend, getting to just see what he's up to, what was going through his mind to make this leap into AEW. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. I mean, we talk about we just talk about his career, the things that he's been able to achieve um, just in wrestling in general to some of the acting that he's gotten into. We also talk about the insane hip surgery that he had, um, followed up by a, a multitude of different errors that went wrong with that, which I think was one of those things that really fired him up to be like, no, I still want to be in the ring. I still want to be around. I don't want to just sit around and collect a paycheck. I want to work. And that's, uh, that's the work ethic of Paul White. So I was so happy to be able to sit down with this guy. He's such a good dude, such a great storyteller. I mean, you can sit and talk to this guy for forever. He's the best. Um, all right, so that interview is coming up. But before we get to that, I got to give a quick little bit of love here to um, today's sponsor for the show, which is Magic Spoon. Oh my God, we're talking cereal, baby. So growing up, cereal was, you know, one of the best parts about being a kid. But over time, you realize I've got to give it up because you realize it's full of sugar and junk that you really should not be eating. You know, whether you're trying to cut out carbs, sugar, unhealthy food, and then you hit the harsh reality that you basically can't eat anything anymore. You know, whether you're drinking protein shakes or powder for years, now you find a delicious and I would say fun way to get your protein before and after workouts. This is like a great little pick-me-up. Um, everyone's always trying to, to eat better, make healthy choices, having a healthy breakfast. But, you know, it doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors that you love, but without all of the bad crap. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, and only 140 calories per serving. Keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And we've got some pretty exciting news here. Magic Spoon's going to be releasing two amazing new flavors this month for a limited time only. Are you ready for this? Hold on to your butts. We are talking cookies and cream and maple waffle. What? Come on. And if that isn't the most comforting, indulgent combination, then I don't know what to tell you. This is the ultimate treat-your-damn-self combo. 
Just make sure you get some while you can because they're only available for a limited time. Or you can build your own box. The available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon. I love anything cinnamon flavored. Hook it up. So also, if you're listening from Canada, shout out to my people. But Magic Spoon is now shipping there as well. So jump on the bandwagon, y'all. One of my favorite things to do is mixing the cocoa with the peanut butter because it tastes just like a peanut butter cup. And it's amazing. And again, I, I just talked about the cinnamon too. That calls me up on the phone. I love that stuff. It's so, so good. Um, okay, so go to magicspoon.com slash Renee to grab the new limited edition cookies and cream maple waffle or a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code Renee at the checkout to save $5 off your order. So this offer is good now uh, for anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. Yes, you are welcome, Canada. You can get in on that. Uh, but only when you use our code at the checkout. So make sure that you use the code Renee at the checkout. Um, and Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they're going to refund you your money. No questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Renee. Use the code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, to save $5 off. And thank you to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode. All right, guys, without further ado, it is time. Ready? Well, it's Paul White. I don't know if we can still use that, but you guys know what that means. You hear that music and you know that we're talking about the big show, Paul White, now a part of All Elite Wrestling. Here's the interview. You guys are going to love him even more than you already have. Finally, here we are. Oral Sessions, Paul White is joining. We get to do this together. I know. This is In the great. same room. I know. It's like serendipity. It is. It is. We've it been is. COVID tested. Everybody relax. We've yeah, done all, all the good. things. I've got my little wristbands to prove it. Yeah, I'm like 0 and 31 in COVID tests. Are you? I'm doing good. Yeah. I still have antibodies. Still Nine have- months. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, nuts. Still thriving. So here we are. We're... Here at AEW, who would have thought that we would be sitting here in this yeah. situation? Well, right? I mean, if you look at my career, I've had more turns than NASCAR, so this is probably uh, this is one like, yeah, we all saw that coming. No, not I at all. It. I didn't see it coming. Um, I don't think anyone saw this coming. No, this was a very quick decision that was made in in a matter of forty eight hours for me. So, how did that all happen? Like, I mean, because it blew my mind when I heard this. Like, Wait, what? You've been with WWE for. 20, over 20 years over 20 years yeah um for me it was just a, i think just creatively it was just frustration you know yeah. I, i've gone back and forth with you know with, with paul Heyman and bruce pritchard and dance and i had some medical issues a couple of years ago where i had some problems with the hip real yeah. bad and you know how things are there that if you kind of get out of the loop a little bit mm-hmm. it's real hard for them to to work you back into the loop yeah no matter how much talent you have no matter how much you have to offer and it was just frustrating me because, I mean, yeah, sure, I was making money. I worked once against uh, uh, Drew at, uh, after WrestleMania there. And, and I did a couple of things. Like, I came in to be partners with Kevin Owens and Samoa Joe. And then, you know, that went out. And it's like, I need more than this guy. Like, yeah. I've never been ever a sit-on-the-bench guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to take money just sit at home and, and be happy like a little princess. That's not my deal. I, I like to work for my money. I like to earn it. And I like performing 
I think I went 18 years in WWE without missing a single Europe tour. Wow. Spring or fall. That's so, a lot. And for people that don't understand that, I mean, those trips are grueling yeah. no matter what, let alone what travel's like for you. Yeah, but here's the thing, you know, and people said that show, how do you fit on this plane? How do you do that? And it was like, you know, I just had to do what I had to do. I had mm-hmm. two choices. I could go to work or I could not, you know, and it's yeah. just all an attitude, you know, and I love I love doing what I'm doing. I think that was the biggest thing that was a letdown for me was um, not being able to get something going creatively, you know, because, and and I've known, you know, Vince for a long time and he gets focused and he gets blinders on and he's, you know, doing what he's doing. It's real hard to be that squeaky wheel that gets the groups. And, um, especially if you're not at TVs, if you're not at TVs and you're just sitting there and, and nobody is, is, like, hey, you know, uh, Paul White's still alive. Paul White's, uh, he's clear. He can work. You know, he can work. And it just got frustrating to the point of, um, I just got frustrated with trying to knock on the door. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to use me for other things. They wanted me to do, you know, the community relations thing, which is stuff I love to do anyway. Yeah. But they were trying to do me a favor, I think, and like put me out in Shady Pines. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't want to be in Shady Pines. I tried to tell them, like, look, don't put me in Shady Pines. And, uh, you know, so I had an opportunity to do something else and I took it. And here's the thing, you know, I've talked to Vince, I've talked to Kevin Dunn, you know, nobody's mad, nobody's upset. That's good. Was it's not an anger thing. Like, you know, the day I, I saw, you know, Vince called me and uh, wished me all the luck and then said, I'm going to have a, I'm going to be a big asset for AEW and have a good time and, and all that. I mean, I've done a lot of things with him. So for me to turn around and try to bury uh, WWE, that's, it's yeah. not about that. It's just business, you know. And the fact that the way the business is now, the fact that this opportunity is a thing that's available is like, oh my God. It's unbelievable. I get to work with younger talent. I get to work in an environment where uh, I can really, really contribute. Yeah. I can do color commentating, which has always been, we've talked about this <laughs> yeah. for years. And this, yeah. this is like, you know, this is, I'm excited about it. I hope I don't, you know, screw the pooch on this one. No, you'll be great. I hope so. You'll you be know, great. You know, otherwise it's just like, I'm just going to like, you know, yeah, Put a bag over my head and never show my face again. Trust me, I tried to do that for a while. <laughs> it didn't fucking work. It didn't work. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then I'm going to hopefully uh, get the opportunity to work with some of these guys. You know, there's a lot of uh, younger talent here that are bigger guys that I can really help and, and bring them along and find out who they are. You know, and I can still perform in front of fans. I mean, there's when you have more to contribute and you have more in the tank to give, uh, you want to give it. No, well, I know this is going to come to an end someday. I know it will. Not for a while, yeah. Not for a while. And now it's on your own terms. It's You're on my own terms. You're not in You're not knocking on someone's door waiting no. for someone to respond to an email or tell you where you can be. Like, yeah, you're I, totally... It you're is. Totally. And if you have any idea how unreal that feels? Yeah, I do. I, I, like, <laughs> it's, like it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, even a simple fact where I, I called uh, Revolution my, the, the other night, I called it Evolution, you know? There's Elevation, the new show that I'm doing. I will say the names get a little... <laughs> you know, like, there's a, there's a lot of tongue twisters going in there, yeah. you know. But nobody jumped my ass. No, you know, I didn't have somebody... What are you, stupid? You know? God damn, <laughs> damn it! Show Jesus, you don't know the name of the goddamn pay-per-view. You, you know? ruined it. Now no one's going to buy it. No one's going to buy it. It's your fault. <laughs> you know, like... We've been there. You know, but, you know, again, you know, you're working for a guy who's a perfectionist yeah. who holds himself to a higher standard and holds everyone else around him to that standard. 
you know, and that's it can be hard to work under those situations. It can be hard to work under those situations because even if you have, you know, my favorite line with Vince is, is, I'll take it under advisement, which means shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear it anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? Which is, you know, I've been, you know, this will really, I'll take it under advisement. Well, that's the end of that. Yeah, period. Period. That's the end of that. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to get knocked out by the mechanical pull. Okay, here we go. (laughs) But, you know, but, but at the same time, I learned so much from working there and, and how to do things and how to be an entertainer and psychology and all that stuff. But these are tools that I can help younger guys with. Not necessarily that style of philosophy because, you know, the environment over there is created to be a very competitive shark tank environment. Yeah, It's done that way by design because the guy at the top is a fighter, you know, sure. and that's what he does. He wants confrontation. He wants... He wants people thinking about the product as much as he is. Yeah, yes, and he wants all the dogs running his pack are all the same way. They're snarling for every scrap. Yeah, you got to be afraid to step on toes. You know what I mean? And Uh and that's a great environment, but at the same time, sometimes it isn't conducive for being as creative as you want to be. You know, because when that one person has a vision, that's the vision that's mandated and followed. Whether, you know, you have a different insight, even if it's not about yourself, but about a different talent, you want to help them. And I think myself, because I've had the unique opportunity in my career the last four decades. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy to say? Yeah, it is, because I still remember being, like, long-haired and <laughs> green as You grass. had a great head of hair. I did. I it was, was really beautiful. I was oh, like you're a, so handsome. No, but back then, I was like a seven-foot Jason Momoa, and now it's kind of like GQ Shrek, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I, no, it's not. I mean, you know, you've I mean, still got. You've got. You're like you. You kind of like steal the spotlight in a room anywhere you go. Well, I'm bigger than the sun, so I can't help but steal it. Like, <laughs> that you know, helps. It, a it helps. Bit, you know, when the shadow looms, like, oh, there he is. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, that's what I'm excited about this opportunity. It's, it's all the people I've worked with from Savage to Hogan, Jim Duggan, Sting, Flair, Arn Anderson. Um, John Cena, Batista, Randy, Hunter, Kane, Taker. Uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, when you think about, you know, and I was just talking to Tony, I probably have more three-way matches uh, than anybody here in this company. Yeah. I probably have more cage matches than anyone here in this company. That's a very valid point. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, there's so many things that I have done, tag teams and stuff like because I've been around for a little bit all that knowledge and experience i want to give i want to give to the under talent i want to make them embrace themselves because it sucks to be green to be in a business where you're getting basically you're making a, more money than you ever imagined making in your life and not being confident in who you are as a talent because you're not sure who you are yet and to be catapulted on tv and mm-hmm. it, it is different where in WWE, there might be more of that micromanaging. And some people thrive under that and some people crumble under that. Yeah. But this is a different situation. This you get to go out there and really find your own footing. And you can really find out who you are and what you're made of. At the same time, that's where I can come in and help guys from taking shortcuts, mm-hmm. from taking, you know, pay attention you to working the camera. Working the cameras, pay attention to what the, the I call it the cutoff spot of the night is, because you'll see sometimes watching matches you'll see three or four of the same cutoff yeah. spots every night uh, between the top rock or turnbuckle on the second turnbuckle shoulder into the ring post. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's done tonight already. Maybe change it in your mats or something different. 
you know, those kind of things I can help people. Uh, I think I have a good insight and a gift also for explaining, uh, explaining psychology so that people can understand it. Because it was hard for me to understand it's as a giant, so as long. a big guy, like, oh, be strong, be strong. Okay, well, what the fuck does that mean exactly? No sell, do sell. Yeah. You know, like, how do you register? How do you... How do you get a guy that's seven foot tall work against a guy like Rey Mysterio and tell a story that everyone wants to see and, and walks away going, wow, that was a hell of a match. It takes time and understanding of, of who you are and, and what to do and the ability to change. Because sometimes guys plan things out in the back. They'll plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And that particular crowd might not be into it. Yeah. So you got to shift gears because you work different in England than you do in California, than you do in Georgia, sure. than you do in Boston, sure. you know? So um i've lucky i've had enough years that, that that comes into play and that's some of the growing pains i'd love to be able to save uh, some of the aew talent here from going through. who are some of the people that you want to help you've got your eye on things well personally my personal dream match so far right here that i have i have i salivate every time i see him is darby allen oh he's isn't he so i good? want i want to be a heel and work with him so bad <laughs> he knows how to to sell, to to have that, you won't break me no matter what you do. It's like a Jeff Hardy a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot like Jeff Hardy, where it's that it's that intrinsic value that that not a lot of people have that that he has. So I salivate looking at Darby, and then I look at you know for big guys, you know, Luchasaurus. There's a lot of stuff I can do with him and help him and and Wardlow and and even work with like Brian Cage and Kenny Omega, obviously. Uh, Kenny Omega and I, I think can tear the house down. Yeah, oh my God. Adam Page. Um, you know. Uh, like Lance Archer. Okay, that's a big, that's a big well, boy. You know, Lance's thing about, you know, Lance and I have known for a long time and Lance has, has been, you know, he's gone down the road and, and done his thing too. But like Lance and I could have a lot of fun because Lance is a very vicious, aggressive, uh, aggressive individual. So as a heel, you know, I could do some stuff with him as a baby face and I think uh, we could tell a story and get that over pretty good. So you're here doing commentary, but also going to be stepping into the ring. I'll be stepping into the ring. My main thing right now is when I talked to Tony about this, I didn't want to come in, and, and him and I both agreed, like, plop in right out of the gate, uh, new gear, roll in, get in the middle of a title hunt. Because, you know, Kenny and, and Mox and everybody, they've all built this angle and got to this point where they, there's nothing worse than having some asshole jump in the middle of your angle in your program. Yeah. Yeah. So my thing now is, and plus for me, to do the best services I think that I can for everybody is I'm gonna come in, do the commenting because it's a passion. Also evaluate, watch the talent, get to know the talent. Because in, in, in WWE, I was constantly absorbed in it all the time. Mm -hmm. So I knew what people were doing, I knew how they were doing, I knew what they were thinking. So it was an easy transition. This is brand new, brand new for me. I'm the new kid in school, so to speak. I'm the new kid that's flunked eighth grade like 45 times and still there. <laughs> But I'm the new kid in school, so for me, this gives me a great opportunity to to really study and learn the learn the talent around me, and then uh, find the right program to start with. Are we going to get to the tag team of you and Marco Stone? Marco Stone, <laughs> I mean, it's a dream, right? Yeah, I think yeah, I think so. I think that <laughs> I think me being a heel working Marco Stone is yeah. also a dream too. Oh my god, you know. I'm sure, I, yeah, I would I'd probably get a call from child social services. <laughs> Someone will be knocking on Somebody will be I saw what you did to that child. You know, we're going to we're gonna hang you from a big tree. 
you big galoot. <laughs> so on the commentary side, I mean, right. that is a whole other thing to be delving into. Right. Have you been listening to certain things? Have you been talking to certain people? What, what's like going through your mind? Well, right? I, going through my mind is, is trying to get, like I go back to my my commentary people that are my favorites were always, like to me, was Gordon Sola. And then when I look at, at professional wrestlers who did commentary, Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse the Body Venture, uh, even Bobby the Brain Heenan. I mean, Bobby the Brain Heenan, I mean, he was just, I, I'm not even the same uh, zip code as Bobby <laughs> the Brain Heenan because he was just so amazing. All those guys found that way to tell a story about the talent in the ring and get the talent in the ring over, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and that's a fine line. That's the thing that I think that I'm going to push myself towards is, is it's not a AEW dark uh, elevation. It's not an opportunity for me to sit back on a microphone and talk about myself for now. Because, right. you know, quite frankly, that's, that's an asshole move. You know, you want to give your focus and attention to the guys in the ring that are, that are getting over and help them and, 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 that's something that I think I can add with experience, um, add some validity to the talent. Really. And that just comes back to the psychology that we're talking about earlier too. Right. Where like, yeah, because you unless it's leading to an angle, you just putting yourself over trying to get yourself. To Sucks. Work. It only goes so far without being like, all right, someone's got a fight show now. We, or, yeah, like oh, or, or sorry, like somebody unplug his microphone for choice. Like, <laughs> I remember I was I, I remember I was having fun with con like Vince let me do a little bit of commentating here and there, but he knew. In the back of my mind, that's when Kevin Dunn knew, Michael Cole knew, every uh, Jerry Lawler, they all knew. Like that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's been a huge, huge passion. I didn't know of my, that. Yeah, I would probably say the last, I don't know, fifteen years. Wow. It's like when I envision my mind, where does my career end up? My career ends up with me uh, doing color commentating full time, like yeah. Gorilla Monsoon or something like that. Oh yeah. You know, but because so was it you that pitched in commentary to Tony then? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, that was one because when we were talking on the phone, like Tony was like, uh, "Okay, well, what do you want to do?" You know, mm -hmm. I said, "Well, I want to do color commentating, and I also want to wrestle. If you want to wrestle too, I said, absolutely." That's so, okay, yeah, ready to go. Oh yeah, I got three and a half pounds of titanium, baby. I'm, oh, we'll I'm a seven foot Wolverine. <laughs> but uh, you know, and I've known Tony for a while, um, and I think he was a little surprised because uh, you know, I I, uh, I hit him up and. Uh, and I came up to Jacksonville after my WWE contract expired. I made sure everything was legal there. Uh, got all my ducks in a row. Yeah. And uh, then I, I came up with him and I had a talk in the office when like no one was here. You know, I think it was like 10 o'clock at night, like when we were up here. Just clandestine meetings. It was so meetings. clandestine. You know, <laughs> the, only yeah. th the only thing I needed was a big briefcase of cash. <laughs> and, um, and we talked about it and I talked about what my passions were for the industry, my passions about psychology, uh, getting talent over, uh, working with talent, and uh, the potential that the AEW has. Um, and that's the thing you don't want, and I don't care if this pisses people off or not, but I'm going to say yeah. it. You need competition that's not in the same house. Mm -hmm. You need uh, another brand where if someone doesn't find out who they are on one brand there's still another company where they can reinvent themselves and try again yeah you know and i think that's the problem with with when wwe was the only game in town sure you had all the talent sure you had these great 
plethora of talent to work with. And I think that's one of the problems that WWE has now is because they have so much talent that they can't really maximize on all that talent. Even when you think of all the hours of television that WWE has, there's only so many people that get that TV time. And like you said, it's like you've been there for 20 plus years, but you're out of the loop for a little bit and not on TV. Like I went through the same thing where yeah. I was like off doing backstage and I came back and I'm like, hey, how do like I was I'd be messaging Rick Richard, I'd be messaging whoever be like, right. use me for this, use me for that. And I'm like, how like once you're out of there, it's yeah. hard to like really ingratiate yourself back. It is tough to get back, especially when you know they think that they're you know doing you a favor. Right. You know what I mean? They yeah. thought they were doing me a favor by, you know, sure, I had all that tenure and, you know, and, and they did that. not been properly utilized in quite some time. I've never been a guy, honestly, Renee, I never gave a shit about what I did yesterday. Yeah. I don't care about titles I've won. I don't care about uh, great matches. I don't care about bad matches. I, I don't because what happened yesterday is already gone. I can't change it. Sure. I'm about today and tomorrow. Hell yeah. And that's that's my big thing. I could have sat in WWE and sat on my ass and, you know, first round Hall of Fame, all that other shit, which is still important because I worked there a long time. It's important to the relationship that I built there with the fans and that company, but I'm not done yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. Like, for me personally, like when I was doing that angle with Braun, I had, and I'll, I'll send you a picture of it later so you can put it on your, on your Perfect. thing. Thank you. I had holes in my ball joint on my hip. You've showed me this. It's you know the picture crazy. I'm talking about. And I worked a year and a half like that because I felt a duty to the guys in the locker room to be there for them, to keep the angles going. Mm-hmm. Like even I did the thing with the bar. Uh, I came to the bar that night that I knocked Cesaro out and the bar broke up because I didn't want to leave those guys hanging. Yeah. But the metal device that was in my hip was broken. You know, like I was, I had surgery the next day. But I still came to Minneapolis because I didn't want to let Seamus and Cesaro down and just like, Ooh. oh, things will disappear. Did you know when it broke? Did you feel that? It yeah, broke? yeah, yeah, I felt it. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in play. So the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA in play is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA in play today. We need to talk about the hip because this is a <laughs> fucking crazy story. Yeah. Because you had surgery and then you got what, MRSA or staph? No, what, yeah, well, it's hard to say. I mean, I got what they call sensitive staph, so first surgery I have is called what they call a resurfacing. It's a and this tit- is a hip replacement. No, this was a the first one was a resurfacing. It's okay. a titanium cap over the ball joint with a titanium receptacle in the hip. You keep 98% of your bone. Right. So they just shave the bone, put a cap over it, put one up in the pelvis and big joint, you're rocking and rolling. Uh, 18 days after surgery, I walked a mile and a half on a treadmill. Oh. Right. So and I beat Vince and Taker by three days. Because <laughs> <laughs> they had the same surgery, yeah. you know. Like 
well, did you walk out the day I started? No, they didn't let me walk out. I wasn't a billionaire that went back to my luxury apartment. I had to go back to Florida, so they yeah. kept me a couple of days. But uh, um, so I beat them on that. And then on day 21 or 22, I had to go for my fault. And I had a little red bump, uh, just weird, it just came out of nowhere. And uh, the doctor in New York um, thought it might have been a, a, a stitch. He tried to aspirate it or drain it. That didn't work. And uh, meanwhile, I knew nothing about infections. I hadn't dealt with any of this stuff before. And then it kept getting worse. And then I had all this pain. And, and uh, so then come to find out, you know, well, we've got an infection. So what are the odds? There's a 33% chance they could open me up again, flush it out, uh, clean out the infection, cover it with vancomycin, um, antibiotic powder. So you back up and you go through rehab and therapy again. So we took the 33% chance because there's a 2% chance of me getting this infection. So I figured 33% sure I'll be good. Now, meanwhile, this is, now I'm 10 weeks out of WWE with all this fiasco and chaos. So I do the, do the surgery, do the, uh, the clean out, all that. I start doing good, rehab's doing good. I think I'm coming back, I think I'm coming back. I take one flight to do something for Special Olympics. My whole leg blows up, turns purple. The infection came back. So then, well, we got to, we're going to have to put you on uh, a pick line, which no. is they, they put a line in through my arm that goes to my heart, and I have an IV bag, and I had three IV bags uh, of vancomycin dripping, which takes about two and a half hours to drip one bag at three times a day. It's like having a newborn baby, which oh. you'll find out. <laughs> you know, there. There's no sleeping eight hours. You're doing a, a vancomycin bag in the middle of the night. You get four or five hours sleep and then you gotta get another one then there's a drip time oh, like it it no. just it, it just it was like that for 10 weeks you know and uh he must have been exhausted well i was totally exhausted but the thing is it's just before i had this hip surgery i was in the best shape i'd ever been in. right yeah you, you were know? you had like you had fucking abs and shit yeah i did I what did. the hell yeah well and um so i was on this motivation uh they're a little fluffy right now but <laughs> by the time i come back to wrestle they'll be all right uh, i got too skinny i got down to like 369 i was all head and feet for a while because <laughs> i was biking 20 miles a day so i got i got too skinny there for a while <laughs> i was like you know i need to go try out for the lakers or something I too skinny, so we'll talk to Shaq later. yeah right and uh so we did the pick line we did another surgery all that uh, that's my third debridement so I ended up having three of those where they cut you open. And mine is a bilateral scar. So it goes across the uh, the hip. And uh, it goes across the hip. And but it, when it goes across the hip, they cut through all your stabilizer muscles and all that. Yeah. So I have to go through all that rehab all over. So oh. after the third debridement that didn't work, and here's the thing that I found out later that I didn't know. The infection is so smart. It hides in the machine grooves of the metal. And it will build a shield, just like Captain America hides down with a little yeah. shield. And the antibiotic powder lasts like 38, 39 days in your body. The bacteria comes out 42 days. Oh, my God. So it is so smart that it hides from the antibiotic powder. Creepy little fucker. And then works its way back to the top. And then all of a sudden, you get this purple thing. And I tried open wound healing it. We did that when we were packing it with, with this kind of gauze and stuff like that like it was you know uh, i went through some horrible shit i did an autograph parents up in niagara and 
Uh, they didn't have a, a Walgreens in your lovely place of Canada. You gotta find a Farm Plus or something. Yeah, Shoppers, yeah. Drug so I had to actually, I had to actually use a maxi pad duct tape. No, because my leg was bleeding that bad. Oh my god! Then I had to fly to California because I had to do a thing in California, and it was the first time I met Joe uh, Mangliano. Yeah, and um, very handsome, gorgeous man. I'm at his house, and he's married to Sophia Vergaro, mm -hmm. and all their furniture is white. Oh my God. And there's no way I'm sitting down <laughs> at this no. house. I just got there. So I'm just standing in the corner like a real weird giant guy who won't sit down. You know, I went and did a stream thing that I had to do with him. Then I flew home, you know, but I had a hole in my leg, big around as my finger. It was just, it was just a hole and it just constantly wept. Then the final surgery was they cut the pieces out, they put in an antibiotic porcelain joint, okay. porcelain covered. Another pick line for 10 weeks. So 20 and, weeks of the pick line. Yeah, all 20 all together, 20 weeks of the pick line. And uh then um they put the new joint in on my birthday three months before I started filming the big show thing. Holy shit. Yeah. So and then we were fine from that. But it, but by you then you felt like it was never gonna heal. No, I always felt like I had this black cloud over my head and it was ridiculous, but because of all the vancomycin and uh Zithromax and antibiotics I was taking it, it gave me neuropathy which had burnt all the nerves up from the waist down on my nerves. So like, you know how your feet- Not sit? like all your nerves, right? Some of those nerves too. No! Um, uh, you know how your feet feel when they fall asleep? Yeah. It was like that 24 seven. So I like for the longest time, my foot felt like it was about that big around. So trying to have my balance and all that oh stuff. And I had to God. do therapy and acupuncture and and really work hard to to get all that back. So needless to say, you're ready to fucking. Go. Yeah, like I you got, want, like I was. Went hell. I went through hell to get back, and then you know the the match with Drew. But in that, you know, I got the speech five years ago. That's pretty bad speech. What's that? I got pulled into uh, a talent relations office and got told that I will never main event a WrestleMania again. I will never main event a pay per view again. And I will only be used to get over NXT. That that was like said to you. That was said in my face. Yeah, there's your fucking inspiration. Now go work hard. Like what the fuck? It's uh, it's uh, and, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah, Vincent. Vincent so didn't say that to me. Yeah, of course it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't him. Yeah. But you know, nothing gets said to you without it. You know. Of course. You know where it comes from. So it hurt a little bit. It was like really, that's that's where we're at. Because they had to think about the future. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I'm sitting here like, okay. Busting your ass. Then I went and got in shape. You know, I had the ads and all that shit. And I used to, you know, I made the joke events. I said, when I chain smoked two fucking packs of cigarettes a day, drank Jack Daniels like water and weighed 500 pounds, I was a fucking world champion. I got abs. I can't get a fucking match now. Fuck me. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? So, uh, but and again, you know, not making excuses, but I understand where they're coming from on there. Sure. You know what I mean? It's, it's, they were trying to give me the heads up, like, hey, you know, you've done everything that we can do with you. You've had a great career. Uh, you know, maybe it's time for you to start thinking about slowing down. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm, fuck that, Jack. You know, yeah. Uh, the only thing I say is, said, are you going to slow down, Vince? Exactly. Are you going to slow down? Exactly. Well, then don't look at me and ask me to slow down. because I'm dare not going. You? Yeah, like, uh-uh, buddy. You know, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, Everything happens, and I know this sounds very cliche, 
but everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't gone through the stuff that I went through with my hip infection, I wouldn't have had the time to sit down with the people at Netflix to put together the big show show yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. Okay. If I hadn't gone through what I went through, I wouldn't have had the availability um, and the determination and the courage uh, to walk away when this contract expired. Yeah. You get fired up. I mean, you had time to sit there and study. I had time and know to process. You still had fuel in the tank yeah. that you wanted. That I still had things I want to do, and it's not about winning championships or accolades. That's not it. It's it's competing. It's being in that environment. It's being able to help the next generation grow and get better and improve. And you know, and and here's the thing: you know, some of my bullshit advice might not help someone, but you know what? If it helps one or two people, mm -hmm. then then I've done good. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And and it's all on how people take it and how they apply it themselves and how they interpret it. And because uh, this is a beautiful, all the heartaches, the pains, the travels, the politics, the bullshit, all of that. Sure, if you sit back and look at it, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, I've got lifelong friends. I've got friends that are fans that I've known forever. I've got... Mm -hmm. uh, an incredible, I'm a small town kid from, I'm, a, I'm from a small town in South Carolina. You know, my mom was a cop, my dad was a mechanic. Yeah. And I've been everywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, that in itself is a, is a, is a dream come true story. It's crazy when you get to like look back and reflect on that stuff too. Like I've been doing that a little bit lately too. I'm like, man, like that's the thing I miss. It's like the friends that you get along mm -hmm. the way. And like, we're, we really are like family, but now, as you branch out, I mean, here you have familiar faces in Jericho yeah. and, and well, there's and so many group people here that I know years too. Yeah, you sure. know what I mean. There's a lot of people that like when I came over here, it was like, oh my god, oh my god, it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Because you crazy. get so in the WWE world. I literally just did the same thing. Yeah, like my church. Yeah, like, like, my church <laughs> it's like we went and we I was like, oh, we, that's, we kind of laid down. I went like, <laughs> I'm gonna let neuropathy's back. I think where's my leg moving now? Uh, you know, you get so involved in that WWE world that you nothing really exists outside of yeah. it. Because you're so committed to what you're doing. You're home, you're thinking about matches, you're thinking about angles. You can never come up for air. You, know, you, you don't come up for air. Yeah. And I was a gear in that cog for a solid 18, 19 years. Yeah. You know? And then when you have time to step back and look, okay, well, what am I, what am I looking for now? And what am I looking for now is I want to have fun. Yeah. I want to have fun. I want to have this is a place to do it. You get to you get to be in control. I get it, but you gotta understand. I'm kind of like a beat junkyard dog, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Not as talented as BJYD, but I'm saying this. <laughs> you know, it's a little hard. It's like you, know, you keep you're waiting to be um, corrected or scolded. It's a weird knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, I mean, you, it's weird, you right? get in such an interesting mindset. It is hard to break out of that. Yeah. It takes a while. Because I've heard other people say things, and I flinched for them. Oh, You, fuck. Know, you yeah. know what I mean? Because yep. they're like, well, you can. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, you can do whatever you want. You can say that. That's fine. Go it's, ahead. It is really wild to see that difference. I mean, even just me seeing it through John and seeing his time here. I mean, I only used to pop out here so often, but. Yeah, seeing people that we've known from you know from WWE for a long way and seeing people thriving here the way that they are, it's 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 just cool to see people have another chance, another opportunity to get to do the thing that they love to do in a great environment. Um, so my next question. Yes. Are we gonna get to see you in Shaq coming? <laughs> Come on! I mean, since WrestleMania, what thirty-two? 
Dallas. Which I, I, I pissed Edge off one time so bad because right before we did that angle with uh, Vicky and Cena and I, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, man, I'm looking forward to working with you. He goes, show we had a program like two years ago. I went, oh, my bad. All right. So, you know, I'm, chair shots were real in my day. I forget a lot of shit. Fair. So, yeah. Fair. That's probably why I, that's why I don't worry about yesterday because I forget <laughs> it anyway. Gone. Um, <laughs> um, but you know what? Um, I will say this. I think Shaq did a great job. Uh, I think uh, he's a natural showman. He's an incredible athlete. And uh, I think if uh, uh, the stars align, uh, I'll be more than happy to show him how to chop for real. You have a glimmer in your eye while you're talking about it. Like it's I'm old school. I'm not seeing anything at all. I probably just did, but I'm not seeing anything at all. Fair enough. Um, How weird is it for you to be announced as Paul White? in a wrestling environment. Um, super weird. Yeah. Super weird. It's like, uh, plus I found out today, somebody sent me a, a link that uh, AEW just uh, patented and, and applied for trademark for Captain Insano. What? Yeah. Shut up. Yeah, so it's funny. Yeah, I might I might bring back Captain Insano. Fuck yeah! Wouldn't that be great? Oh my God, that's amazing. Uh, and I will totally rip Hulk off any chance I <laughs> Let me tell you something, brother. Captain Insano shows no mercy, dude. I love that. Oh my God, that's yeah. so. Funny. You know what's funny is is, is uh, when I did that Waterboy years ago. Uh, Hogan actually goes, brother, you should get that gimmick. That gimmick's money. You know, because <laughs> you know he thinks outside of the box in front of that gimmick's money, brother. Captain Insano, that, that's 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 money, brother. That's you know, so I think the whole funny. reason he did Mister America is because he was infatuated with Captain Insano. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I was doing, I was like doing research on Wikipedia, which is my main source on people, which I always find funny. Because it's not searching. really true. Well, it's not, it's not always true, Yeah. but it's also just funny. Like I have like 14 kids or some shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got like 14 kids or something. It's okay. Somebody on the internet currently is saying that this is not a real baby, that it's like a fake pregnancy that I'm duping people into. So everybody's Oh, because you're, you're, that, you're that kind of an attention whore. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna go through wearing uh, a big pregnancy. What's the big payoff? Yeah, what's the payoff in this? Um, okay, so when I was doing research, I didn't realize what Danny Bonaduce. Do you remember Danny Bonaduce? Yeah. He introduced you to Hulk Hogan. That was your whole way to wrestling. That's all I got to wrestling. I, I uh, here's what I did. I uh, lost my dad, my grandfather, my basketball coach got fired at Wichita State all in the same year. Oh my gosh! So for a young man, I, I got a little lost, and then I did. Uh, I did some bounty hunting, I bounced in a bar, I was, you know, doing my, uh, yeah, I worked for a bail bondsman for a while. Hell yeah. And, That's uh, a little other It's not that glamorous, believe me. It's not that <laughs> It's sure. a lot of sitting in the car waiting for some dumbass to come out of his favorite bar. But, uh, um, so I got a job from a friend of mine who says, hey, uh, there's this guy from Chicago that just bought all this karaoke equipment. Because Renner Center, uh, back in the early 90s, was doing, karaoke rentals went to own but they had like industrial karaoke equipment for like running a dj business okay. and it was just a little bit ahead of its time so this guy in chicago was buying all the software that he could get machines and then he was doing a nationwide thing where he was a distributor of software and equipment and he also ran about 150 shows over the chicago area for yeah. the bars so he had five or ten bars a night and he was charging the bars of 12 to 1500 bucks a bar for karaoke and the DJ. Okay. 
So, you know, but anyway, he was there buying the equipment. He bought it for pennies on the dollar. I mean, <laughs> but they needed somebody to load equipment and I could drive a forklift. So one of my amazing talents. <laughs> That's like on your special skills. Uh, yeah, special skills lives. I can drive a dump truck, a backhoe, a funny motor, a forklift, and I can weld. So I learned how to do all this by the time I was 14. Right. So like I said, my dad was a mechanic. So anyway, um, so I went over for a job. It was uh, 75 bucks a day, you know, cats. So then this guy is like a real fast talker. He's He was exactly like Tom, uh, what is it, uh, John Travolta in uh, Get Shorty. Okay. Like when, when Get Shorty came out, everybody that knew Jimmy laughed because we thought that John Travolta has met Jimmy somewhere. <laughs> because the boots, other than like, instead of wearing the, the dress shoes, Jimmy wore boots, the suit, the turtleneck, Amazing. the wise guy. That they even looked the same, you know, the <laughs> whole the whole thing. So uh, Jimmy said, so uh, what do you want to do? I said, I, I don't know. You know I'm, I'm kind of lost right now. I said, uh, he says, why don't you come back to Chicago? I know some guys in the Bears. I'll get you to try it on the Bears. You know, and I'm like, okay, I mean, sure. So I went back to Chicago, and I had everything I owned was in a, a little laundry basket. Yeah. All my clothes, everything oh my I owned. God. And uh, my dad's urn and everything I owned was in a laundry basket. You know? And uh, so I'm with him, and this guy had like 10 girlfriends all over Chicago. <laughs> like all my stuff I carried in the trunk because we stayed with a different girl every night. You know, this guy was like unreal. I never seen anybody like this. Dealing and dealing with big. I mean, you know, he's he he knew everybody. He knew everybody. He was everybody's friend and he was a light like this guy could have fun in a prison camp. Like you go out to like the the, the lake houses up there in Michigan or Chicago, you know, and by after being there a day, there'd be fifty people at our fire and everybody's singing where everybody would come like he was just that guy, yeah. you know. And uh, so I answered phones during the day and hello, this is Jesco Karaoke, man. I'll be hardware software. So I answered phones. <laughs> and uh, then at night, I went around with Jimmy and he collected all the money from the bars because sometimes yeah. he'd have, you know, 40, 50 grand cash on him and I was with him. Not a, bad, not a bad deterrent, but he used to make me sing in every bar that we went to. Oh, I'd have to do what's your go-to karaoke song? Funky Cole Medina. <laughs> 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 One time, Tom Moke was on a plane behind me and I was like, you fucking told Mo? Right. Like that's that voice that you know. Yeah, for, yeah. Like, yeah. That's the one thing I could do because I, I can't carry a tune in the wheelbarrow. So. <laughs> like the mass singer called me. I was like, dude. Oh, dude, dude that would have been so cool. Yeah, it would have been cool. That would have been good. Damn. No, it would have been, no, been horrible. Maybe you could do mass dance. No, 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 I don't, I can't dance. There's no, there's no Disney movies in my future. I can't sing. All right, noted. Everybody loves some, that's it. I mean, that was pretty good. Anyway, so moving (laughs) on. Um, So we're talking one day and he was doing the morning drive in Chicago with Danny Bonaduce, where Danny Bonaduce would have people come in to the radio station through a lottery drawing they would sing their song karaoke on the air and then fans would call in and vote, you know? So it was kind of like, this thing's going on its own, it's weird. Oh, it's, it's, it, 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 we're yeah, not trying to say. Yeah, mine so. did this, oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's like by the end you're lying down, it's totally okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird, so. <laughs> um, so we went in to, to do the show and Danny Bonaduce, Absolutely super cool, super energy. And Jimmy going great. And uh, Danny's asked me what I want to do. I said, You know, I said, I've always been a fan. This is exactly what I said. I said, I've always loved wrestling. I said, Maybe I can be one of those guys that get beat up. <laughs> I said, 
but just on the other end, it looks like it would be fun, you know? And he goes, oh, I know Hulk Hogan. I'm doing this thing with Hulk Hogan, Mr. T. You know, you play basketball, which I think you'll be my, you'll be my ringer. So, okay, it was a Chicago Wolves basketball game halftime. It was uh, Mr. T and Hulk Hogan versus Danny Bonaducci and a secret partner. Uh, and it was for like a charity thing. So I, uh, uh, Danny introduced me to Hulk that night. And it was funny because I guess Hulk had saw me earlier in the crowd. He was elbowing Linda. Like, he looks like a young Andre. He looks like he like, yeah. like Hogan got moist immediately. <laughs> You know, and uh, then he then he found out that uh, you know that I was an athlete and I wanted to wrestle, and I did the worst thing he could ever do for a wrestler because I did an impersonation for him. Yeah. You know, which luckily for me it worked out, but if it would have been some guys, it would have been a crash and burn. You did like an impression of Hulk too, Hulk. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, "Well, let me tell you something, brother. I've been to the top of the mountain, dude. So what you gonna do when Hulk Hulkamania runs wild on you, brother?" Yeah, you know, that's really of, good. That is a great. That's moment. not bad, right? Well, yeah. I, was, I was a fan. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, Hulk, I did that for Hulk, and Hulk's eyes got real big. Now that I know him, in his mind, he was just writing checks. Yeah. Like, you know, for bank, cha -ching, cha -ching. For bank deposits. Like, he had everything mapped out what he wanted to do, work with me, bring me into yeah. the whole nine yards. So, uh, I flew to Atlanta to meet Eric Bischoff. And I uh, flew down with Jimmy, and uh, Eric Bischoff offered me, uh, I think it was uh, 700 bucks a week to train at the power plant. I was blown away. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Now, Jimmy, I almost beat up in the parking lot at CNN Towers, because Jimmy goes, well, are you fucking kidding me? 700 bucks a week for him? He's a fucking one-of-a-kind athlete? Yeah. You know what? Fucking call me when you're serious. We're out of here. And in the parking lot, I had Jimmy by the neck against the fucking minivan. Yeah. Ran it, almost like a minivan, like get shorty because yeah. that's the only thing we got from the airport. Yeah. I said, 700 bucks a week. I love it. You know, because I had no money. Sure. You know? And he goes, dude, trust me. You never take the first offer. Never. They'll call you. Nobody called. Fucking so I'm Jimmy. like, fucking, I'm so fucking mad at him. I had a girlfriend in Chicago that was, um, her dad woke up overnight, like as a, a millionaire for some kind of computer thing, but uh, she was a big fan of Disney, so she wanted to go to uh, to uh, Disney uh, for vacation. Um, so anyway. Sounds like a treat. It was a treat. I, I, I had a sugar mama. I'm not afraid to admit it. She oh my took, God, good for you. She took care of me. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any money. Good. I, I, just, stood there look, I just stood there and looked pretty, you know, anyway. <laughs> With those long locks, hell those yeah. Long locks, buddy. They were deadly back in the day. I flipped that over to one side like a big lion mane. You know, now it just hurts my neck when I do that. <laughs> but uh, so we were in uh, Orlando and Disney, and uh, we went to Perkins there on International Boulevard because I wanted pie. Oh my and, God. And, uh, I hear that right now. Yeah, right? I'll order like, something. Like Perkins, used to have, <laughs> Perkins used to have the best French silk pie ever. Mm -hmm. Like They'd ask me if I want to slice, and I was like, no. <laughs> so uh we're in there and i guess uh wwe was in town filming at universal and wcw was in town filming at mgm at disney because mm -hmm. they used to do those little things and um jimmy hart came in and saw me there on perkins and i was i didn't want to tell him i didn't want to tell him like yeah hey my rich girlfriend took me a vacation to disney so uh i was like yeah you know I'm just down here doing some business you know completely bullshitting because i was actually 
super embarrassed and she was paying the bill as we were leaving because i sure don't even have any money and i was trying to tell you know i just started doing some business you know and uh <laughs> meanwhile dying of embarrassment you know because we turned down the deal that eric after he got you us, to yeah you know like i turned the, the deal down so i'm really feeling like an asshole so uh um we go back to the to the hotel and granted and Jimmy calls me at like three in the morning. He goes, dude, what are you doing? I said, what the fuck you think I'm going to sleep in? He goes, I need you to get on a plane tomorrow and meet me in Atlanta. I said, what the fuck am I meeting in Atlanta for? Said, they called. I told you they yeah, called. I, I told you. So I hopped on a plane and uh, met him in Atlanta. And um, then they gave me a, a ridiculous deal to train place to live and all that other shit. So, Jimmy hooked it up. Jimmy, Jimmy was right. Jim, still, I think you need to still cut Jimmy like a good temper. Well, you know, Jimmy Jimmy was getting a hell of a cut back in the day. Kind, mm -hmm. kind of like a Colonel Parker cut okay. in the beginning. Like he, you know, uh, I, I learned a lot there too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, moving along, that was that's how it all started. And then, and then uh, originally my whole thing was, is, uh, I, was an, I was an opponent for Hogan. Yeah. You know, and if I did well, then, you know, they might consider doing something with me. If not, you know, they let me go. And here so, we are. And after that match, and then here we are years later. So, Crazy. Yeah. What a wild story. Yeah, I, I mean, I did not know that. But yeah, but just like looking on Wikipedia, I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, I own, I own my career. And that's the whole thing. Because back then, you know, no offense, but there wasn't, there wasn't performance tryouts or training sure. schools. I mean, you know, there was, you, it was like a mafia. You had to know somebody that vouched for you to, to keep you in. Yeah. And let alone come in the way I did. And, you know, it's funny. It's the way I came in. I had so much heat when I came in. Did you have the most heat with? Uh, most everybody that never became a champion or never got a run as a top fan. Just bitter people. Yeah. You know, every top guy that I met thought it was great and wanted to work with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But people that had never... Their dreams, for whatever reason, didn't come to fruition. You know, just it was your fault. You got in their way. Yeah, yeah. I stopped them from the big title push. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not the beer gut. You know, fucking cocaine habit sure. they had. It was sure. them, but you know, yeah. it was me. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. And I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dumb dumb like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash cowherd for more info. FanDuel.com slash cowherd. FanDuel, more ways to win. Who do you want to see come here? Who else do you think would be a great fit in this uh, environment? You know, honestly, you know, there's one guy that I miss all the time, but I don't know if he's ever going to wrestle again or not, but it's Mark Henry. I love him. He's still got it. Oh, he does, but you know, he. I think, I think, uh, Mark would be amazing here mm -hmm. because of, you know, he's got an eye for finding talent. Sure. And that's the thing about Mark that a lot of people don't know. Because
because of you know the way his character's done on TV and all that. There's so much depth to that man. Yeah, he's a lot smarter than people know. Mm -hmm. He is, he knows everyone under the sun, and he's got a rolodex full of athletes that he's helped. You know, get better, train better, become wrestlers, get into colleges they want to go to, yeah. get tryouts for pro teams that they want to go to. I mean, he's just. Uh, He's unbelievable. His heart is so big, the way he gives to to athletes and helps athletes and stuff. So for me personally, I'd love Mark here because yeah. then we could be like, you know, the two old men and the Muppets and sit up yeah. in the corner. <laughs> that's us. That's me. That's me. That's Mark and us. That would be fantastic. Mark really, I mean, it's really, it's his, his eye for talent is so incredible. It's unreal. Like, if you went down the Mark. list of all the people that Mark has introduced to WWE and told, mm -hmm. Vince and Hunter, hey, you guys should pay attention to this person. And now, Making you know, money. most of their entire main event roster is because of Mark. Bianca come through him or Booker? Uh, Bianca, I think Bianca came through Mark. I know I think that, she did too. But I'm I think she, I think, but I think she also did some stuff with Booker too. Okay. But I don't yeah. know. I don't know how that transpired. Yeah. But I know that there's, you know, there's like Braun came through Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? That yeah. Kind of thing. What's your music going to be? Because your music is fucking iconic. <laughs> well, that might be a while before I get in the ring because we're working on that now. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, how can we have you come out without the well? Well, um, I have some friends, some very, very uh, famous. One of them is a very, very dear famous friend. He's a musician. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, uh, right now, he's currently shooting a movie with J-Lo in the Dominican Republic. Uh -huh. Uh, which is Lenny. So I'm oh, Mike, I can't believe you're friends with Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, he's, he's my yeah, brother. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah, but I forget that he's Lenny Kravitz, the rock star, until I go see him play. And then I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's like a rock star. So he's going to maybe help out? Uh, I think so. Yeah, he's getting an idea. Well, him and also Craig, his guitar player, so they're both good. But the only thing is, it's, it's just trying to, um, when somebody's that busy doing stuff, I don't want to be that, hey, can you do yeah. this? favor for me you know because yeah. i've never been that dude so i felt like that trying to get you to sit down with me like i'm so sorry i know you're busy no, oh, God. no it's funny it's, it's i'll do anything in the world for my friends but i hate asking my friends for stuff i hate it it I, makes I me like sweat it does me it too. fully makes me panic yeah. <laughs> that's why i was like no pressure we need to do it now we can do it later whatever no. you want like i hate yeah. having to do that it makes me, me so too. uncomfortable because i don't want to be that person no. and we've all had those people in our lives <laughs> that just uh, yeah, can I get backstage passes? Can uh, I get tickets to WrestleMania? Can I get it's like No. No. I know. No, I had to put in ticket requests like four months ago. Like <laughs> stop. Yeah. It's two part. days before the show. I'm not getting you backstage passes. <laughs> you know, so you can run around and tell everybody I'm the one that let you in. Taking Street. pictures, blowing shit Taking up on pictures, the internet. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. No thanks. Run up hugging Brock Lesnar. Hey. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Fun. That won't turn out well for you, I promise. Uh uh. Yeah. You know, I watched it make 300 people flinch one time. How? We were in uh, Australia. We came off the plane. In Australia, they can come right to the gate. Okay. You know? So we come right to the gate, and they had some little, like, club rope trying to keep everybody away. But, you know, it was it was, uh, it was pretty bad. And Brock comes out with his glasses on, you know, <laughs> blonde hair, just mad at the fucking world because he's been traveling for 20 hours, you know? If you know Brock, he's one of the sweetest people you've ever met. Yeah. If he likes you. Yes. If he doesn't, 
Keep on walking. Yeah. Keep on walking because it's not going to end well for you. And I remember like pictures go off and all this stuff. And people are screaming. He snatched his glasses off and he looked at everybody like this. And like everybody like pulled their cameras down. And everybody there got scared because the way he took his glasses yeah. off. And he went like that. He went and 300 people went, <gasps> they all gasped. I started laughing so hard. And he goes, Appreciate it. He keeps walking. I'm laughing so hard. I've got tears in my eyes because I just saw 300 people pee themselves. That's incredible. Yeah. He tackled me in Gorilla one time, and I've never been so terrified in my life. Right. I came walking back to the curtain grill, and he was about to go do seg one, and he's down on the ground stretching and make eye contact. And he's in like football stance stretching. Right. And he just we make eye contact, and he just fucking ran at me, lifted me up. I was like, whoa. I like just to, like see or like feel an athlete like that. Yeah. Like there was nothing I could do. Things there was nothing man. I could do. My favorite. Was at his mercy. Oh shit! I, I've been at his mercy. My favorite <laughs> story for him is we had a thing one night where Haman and I were talking trash on the ramp, and Brock was supposed to be out of the building, but he comes from the side and he's supposed to climb the railing and come up the ramp, but he has a chair. And you know the rule is if a guy's chasing the chair, you run, or else if he gets close, he can hit you. Mm -hmm. It's a freebie. So all of a sudden, Brock comes from the side, and I'm tall enough so I can see him. He cuts through that crowd like in less than a second and a half. He goes about four feet above the railing, sideways, like sideways, not like he had to scissor it or jump over it. Like he went over it. He side. High jumped it. Yeah, like but had like four feet still to go. Landed, hit the ground, and was sprinting towards me. I'm like, oh damn, he's an athlete. Oh shit, it's coming for me. <laughs> I had to turn. Oh, I'm the target. I'm the target. I had to turn around right up here. Yeah, I've, I've laughed at him so hard so many times. <laughs> he punched me in the ear one night. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, he, I just checked for cauliflower ear, by the no, way. No, no, no. What is the status of your ear? Yeah, he punched me in the ear and I him really hard. He goes, what was that for? I said, you hit me in the ear, you dick. <laughs> you know, oh, he, he laughed. He's a misunderstood nice he guy. He gave me an F5 in Africa, in South Africa. And, uh, I think it was in Cape Town. In Cape Town, I had some bad food. Oh, God. And this is back when I had the, the leather pants. You know, thank God. I had the leather <laughs> pants for singlet. And uh, I hit that mat and just, it came out. You, you exploded. Know? It came out. And uh, he's <laughs> covering me. He goes, oh, did you shoot? He's covering me. I said, yeah. He goes, ah, oh, you shit. You know what I mean? And then while I'm laying in the ring after the F5, he keeps stepping on my stomach like he's trying oh. to make more come out, you know? I'm like, and I'm trying to sell his spirits. I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Oh. So he had dumped Paul Heyman in the ring too, right? So the thing was, is that was the finish. And then I would usually get up, come to pull Paul out, throw Paul over my shoulder and carry Paul out. That was the end of the night for the heels. We were totally humiliated, you know? But this night, I was humiliated. So Paulie's laying there and he goes, You gotta carry me to the back? I'm like, No. What do you mean? You're not gonna carry me to the back? I shit myself. What? I shit my pants. I can't hear you. What? I shit myself. Oh, okay. Are you all right? Oh my God. <laughs> Just an emodium and a new pair of pants. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. So meanwhile, I'm the guy out the back of the arena with a hose, hosing off my pants, like, you know, like. Thank God they were leather. 
Yeah, they. I changed my gear after that. Oh yeah, good call. Yeah, Fair the, those other fans never left that. <laughs> I don't think they're they still left. there. Tell I, I think they were in the trash can and had a read, a matter of fact. It's terrible. Yeah, but that's but that's that's Lesnar. I always laugh. I always tease him now because he's got the best backstage game since Hulk Hogan. Like when he walks backstage, like people get against the wall. They're yes. terrified of him. Yeah. You know, I just laugh. Especially when he walks back, unassuming in like cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. You're like, wait, what? Well, yeah, and he walks yeah, right down the middle and like. People duck in rooms and shit. Yeah. Like, but he's a good dude. He is. He is a good yeah, dude. Yeah, always just, he's always been so sweet to me. Yeah. I've always really liked Rod. Yeah, he's a good dude, but he's just he just and here's the thing, you know, and he's an example that I give to younger guys that are big guys that are strong guys. I said, Who's the most dangerous guy perceived in wrestling right now? It's Brock Lesnar. Mm -hmm. And what does Brock Lesnar do incredibly well for a big muscled up guy? Sells. Yes, oh, he's a great seller. He I don't sells. think people give him enough credit. No, for they don't because his intensity, his overwhelming offense, sometimes takes away from the fact that when Brock Lesnar sells, he sells mm -hmm. his ass off, yes. and he loves to sell when somebody brings it to him. But if they don't bring him to him, he's going to eat their lunch. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. that's a great motivation for muscle guys. Body guys that are working out who think they have to work strong means don't sell. Look at someone I brought Lesnar who sells, but one thing he's always doing, he's always moving forward. Always. It's he funny. doesn't do one move and look at the crowd. One move, look at the crowd, like a lot of people do to make mistakes. His eyes never leave his opponent. It's always funny to me, like just how, like, cause, I mean, people can be very hot or cold on how they feel about Brock, whether he's on top or, right. you know, he's, he's uh, part time or whatever. Yes, very controversial. But he's so fucking good at what he does that mm -hmm. he can do whatever the hell he wants. He and else. I, I don't think I appreciated that as much until I was on commentary and being like, "Oh, I get it now. You see things through a different lens." You see right? things through a different lens. Yeah. So, yeah, and I see things different because I worked with him. Because Brock's the one that actually turned my career around. WWE. Yeah. Because for a long time I had a lot of heat up here and you know, a lot of shit and stuff like that, and you know. Brock knew me. And they asked Brock, they said, Well, who do you want to work? He says, I work with a giant. He says, You dumbasses don't know how good he is. <laughs> I Time mean, to show everybody. You know, and then we had a stretcher match. Yeah. And then after that, it was off the run to me. My uh, stars opened up and everybody realized that, oh my God, it's, we can do something. You know? It's so crazy that somebody that, like, I mean, not that it's Brock taking a chance on you for no, sure, but somebody like, that vouches for you in the right part. Because here's the thing I had a lot of. I had a lot of negativity because I came from WCW. I was green as grass, so I made a lot of stupid ass mistakes in the beginning, you know. And it wasn't until, you know, once I got my shit together. And that's why I have a soft spot for a lot of talent that that's struggling because um, I've been there. Yeah, and it's not. It doesn't have to be it's your not, first time. It has to be the time. No, no, no. It, it, it hits different for everyone, but sometimes just trying to really explain that it's not that complicated because once it clicks once it catches once you understand who you are this business is the greatest thing ever yeah it's fun it's the best it's fun every night you can call those people you can have them hate you yeah you know you can have you know o2 arena one night chanting you fat wanker and the <laughs> other night chanting you know you still got it so, yeah yeah you know, that's a beautiful yeah. thing
Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me here. It's my honor to be here. I'm sure I probably get all kinds of heat for everything I've said. But I don't think you said anything bad. I'm going to blame her. Yeah. Look, she was pregnant and I had to do it. So <laughs> Maybe. You can do that. Well, well, you got three more months to lean on that. I mean, you might as well blame on something. Well, you, you haven't really gotten uncomfortable yet. I've got a pillow behind my back. You got a pillow behind your back, but as you get Whew. as you go along, you're gonna like pee every 20 seconds. I'm peeing. I sneeze and pee my pants more <laughs> than I care to admit. And if yeah. I drop something on the ground now, I really have to decide if I need it. So you I need to. You kick it along to the floor to somewhere where you're sitting down. <laughs> I'm gonna do that. I just go. Mm, I don't need it. I don't, I don't need, need it, it anymore. It's got to be really worth it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's fucking awesome to see you here. You uh, look great. You. I'm thank so you. excited for this part of your career and this journey that you're on. And yeah, I just get to watch and be a fan of Paul motherfucking White. There it is. Big G, baby. What's up? <laughs> big time thank you to my buddy Paul White for hanging out with me. It was really nice to be able to do um, back-to-back this week. We had on Christian and Paul White, two interviews that I got to do in person. Obviously, it's been a very long time since we've been able to be in the same room as people, but I pointed it out with Big Show. I believe I pointed it out with Christian. We were all COVID tested, uh, so everything is safe and taken care of but just nice to be back in the room and to see some familiar faces and get to ask some questions about these new journeys that these guys are on. I'm so excited for them to be able to be in the driver's seat and really dictate how these final years of their careers are going to go. Could not be more excited. It's just very cool to see dudes that have been around for a while that just have so much love for the wrestling business and the wrestling industry that you, you can't keep them away. You can't keep these guys away. AEW is very lucky to welcome these two gentlemen from from Christian and Paul White onto their onto their roster because they just have so much to offer, so many years under their belts, brilliant minds. So congratulations to everybody all around. Um, all right, so at the beginning of the show, I talked about Magic Spoon. Uh, so just a, a little friendly reminder to you guys, go to magicspoon.com slash Renee. You guys can grab the new limited edition cookies and cream, maple waffle, or a custom bundle of cereal that you guys can try today. Uh, use our promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E at the checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is good to go for uh, anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, but only when you use our code at checkout. So don't forget to add Renee at the checkout. Don't miss out. Um, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, both at Renee Paquette. You can follow the Volume Network at the Volume Sports, both on Instagram and Twitter. Again, check out our YouTube channel. These videos are going up. You can see me and Paul White hanging out uh, in my husband's trailer at the pay-per-view on very comfortable chairs that we both kept accidentally uh, reclining. <laughs> we were getting very comfortable with this interview. <laughs> um, just search my name for YouTube, Renee Paquette. You can find it there. Subscribe, like, comment, all of those things that you do um, on the old YouTube. Thanks, guys. I will see you next week. We've got some more killer interviews lined up. I promise. Hell yeah. What a fun job this is. See you guys soon. Bye. Bye.